Welcome to Beating Cancer Daily. Beating stage four cancer for 30 years still takes my breath away every time I say it. I'm Saren, founder of the Comedy Cures Foundation, and I hope you'll join me for just a few minutes daily for the next 365 days so we may laugh, learn, maybe cry a little as we live our best days beating cancer daily together. I'm so interested in today's topic because I absolutely love seafood. I could eat it morning, noon, and night. And so my special guest, Jackie Bryan, is back. You know her. She's our functional medicine expert, our whole health educator, our certified nutrition specialist, our certified health coach. And she pops in every week to just talk to us about different aspects of wellness and nutrition. And Jackie, I'm so happy to welcome you back to Beating Cancer Daily. Hi, Saren. It's so great to be here. Thank you for having me. And this is a fun topic. It's one that people, I think, find very confusing. I agree. And I know I shouldn't do this right now, but I want to let them in on a conversation that we were just having when I was warming up the microphone, which is your love of comedy. We have to share this because if you've never listened to Beating Cancer Daily, I started the Comedy Cures Foundation from my chemo chair 24 years ago at my first chemo infusion, bringing in a chemo comedy party for everyone. And so I've spent all of this time beating stage four cancer, living as a survivor with no visible disease, and then launching research studies and this podcast. And Jackie's been along with us for our last research study and also for this podcast. And you just started sharing with me who your favorite comedians are. I love comedy. I think maybe that's what really drew me to you too, because it's nice to be around people that laugh. You laugh a lot. You have a lot of joy in your life. And I find that really contagious. (laughs) (laughs) I used to just love Robin Williams. Uh, He he did a skit on golf. And have you ever seen that one? It is hysterical. And my husband's a big golfer. And my husband really wants me to golf with him. And Robin Williams just did this incredible skit on the discovery of golf and how silly it is. A lot of bad language in it, which made it a little bit even more funnier. But he was one of my, he was one of my favorites. I loved him. In a prior episode with Missy Hall, a comedian that we have taken through breast cancer treatment through this podcast just like Jackie. It's like a mini series within Beating Cancer Daily. Jackie has many episodes. So I want to urge you to go back and listen to all the episodes with my special cancer expert, Jackie Bryan, but also go back and listen to the Missy Hall episodes because on one of the prior episodes, I tell a lot of stories about my personal interactions with Robin Williams. And we talk about Robin Williams and I've actually met his 
widow and we became friendly through our mutual love of Robin and comedy and my history with the with Robin's family when I worked at Dick Clark. So if you just want to hear little bits about Robin Williams, go back and listen to that episode with Missy Hall. But who else do you love, Jackie? I love Howie Mandel. He he's one of my one of my favorites. And I ended up my husband and I were supposed to go see him last night at a music hall that's near our home in New Hampshire. And unfortunately they canceled. I was so sad. Oh and, no. <laughs> Comedy interruptus. I hate oh, that. So it was so sad. I don't know. There's certain people that I just look at and when I look at them, I laugh and I don't mean it in a bad way or disrespectful way, but Howie Mandel is one of them. I remember when Howie performed a show Well, I wasn't at the show, but I saw it on TV and he was live on stage. It was back when he had hair and he had, there was a, a young lady in the audience that got up to go to the bathroom. And while she was gone, he said on the stage, he goes, how dare she get up during my show to go to the bathroom? And so he had everybody in the row where she was sitting, change all their seats around so that when she came back in, she couldn't find her seat. And he kept saying, she came in and he said, okay, you can sit down. And she was just so perplexed. She was like, where's my seat? And you could tell it was very impromptu. It wasn't planned. And it was just hysterical. That's every audience member with a weak bladder's nightmare. (laughs) I would be the one looking for my seat for sure. (laughs) Because I am always running to the bathroom. (laughs) Well, I told you when we were speaking that I actually know Howie. And he's always been really sweet to me and just so kind about comedy cures. And the first time I met him, I hugged him because I didn't know that he had an issue with germs and touching people. And I remember at plain as day, we were backstage at a big comedy event in Canada. And I was just so happy to meet him and he told me something personal and I literally just hugged the guy and everybody froze around us for 10 miles (laughs) because I was the only person in the world that didn't know that I shouldn't touch Howie Mandel. So I apologize to him after I realized what I had done, but he's been really sweet to me. So I have to tell you a joke before we start this topic, because I love to tell you jokes. I love to hear them. (laughs) I love really silly jokes. So I'm just going to tell Jackie a really silly joke before we start. And it's about our topic, seafood. Did you hear about the car that runs on seafood? No. I heard it's very efficient. Very cute. (laughs) It's so dumb, but I love the dumb ones. Okay. So, Jackie, I'm so excited to learn everything about seafood. Let's get started. I first, I wanted to say, I think most of us know that seafood can be very healthy for us. It's good for our heart, our brain. It's got healthy fats. It's a good source of vitamin D. And that maybe somebody might be considering that they need to be eating more seafood. So I was trying to think of the kind of people that might be interested in this podcast. And so I thought I'd start off with just a little bit of a, okay, this podcast is for you if you are not allergic to seafood, but you don't necessarily love it, if you don't eat it two to three times a week, 
if you're avoiding it because you're concerned about toxins, or if you do eat seafood, but you want some tips on selecting the healthiest and safest kinds for you and for your health. And also if you're looking for more reasons to eat seafood, I think there's so many different avenues that we can take with this podcast because seafood is a very big topic for us to discuss, but I wanted to narrow it down for, okay, if you're not eating it, you don't love it. What's the right kind? What's the safest kind? I thought that might be a great place to start. I'm really excited because my father was allergic to iodine. And I remember that he had a lot of trouble with seafood and there were so many things he couldn't eat. So I want to touch on that too. And then there's the whole kosher aspect for people who practice the dietary restrictions of keeping kosher and they can't have shellfish or bottom feeders. And so I happen not to like bottom feeders. I just, there's so many things to cover here. So I'm happy that you have a plan because I have so many questions. I think what you bring up is really important. Like there, there are going to be certain situations where people don't consume either fish at all, or that they don't consume certain types of fish, people that are kosher, people that have allergies. We can even start down that path and just talking about who should avoid seafood. Obviously those that have an allergy like your father did. And and if there's certain dietary reasons, kosher, things like that, that, that they need to avoid it as well. Fish and shellfish are actually two of the top foodborne allergens and they can cause severe life-threatening reactions in people. So if someone is a allergic, it needs to be taken seriously. And most people that are allergic know how to handle those situations when they end up going to the, you know, a restaurant or something. Another thing to think about too, is if your person is at higher risk for foodborne illnesses, and that is usually people that may be immunocompromised. So some of our audience that might be in active treatment, you want to be very careful with anything that's undercooked. So if somebody is a sushi lover and they're in active treatment, that might be something to avoid because anything raw or undercooked can put them at risk for catching something. I don't remember when, but all of a sudden sushi restaurants started posting the disclaimer under their menus saying, if you are pregnant or blah, 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 do do not consume raw fish or consume raw fish at your own risk. And I never remember that being on menus. And then all of a sudden it started popping up on all the menus. Yeah, I'm thankful that people are starting to communicate more about the way food is prepared and what the risk is to the population, because it certainly is something for us to think about. And that's why it's so important for people to understand their own unique situation to see if it's a if it's a good fit for them. I went out to eat last night. And when our Howie meant we were supposed to see Howie Mandel, as I mentioned last night, and he canceled because he was sick. And so my husband and I went out to dinner and I had ordered salmon and they said, how do you want it prepared? And so there are people that like it rare where it's really raw inside. I'm actually not one of those people, but in that case, if you order it rare, there is certain risk for that. And so those are things that people really need to pay attention to for sure. Would that be salmonella? Like what you find in chicken? Is that the same thing that you would find in undercooked fish? 
Well, it's different. We talk about different types of bacteria that are bacteria is everywhere. We have it in our body, on our body. It's in our environment. There are certain bacteria like salmonella, E. coli, things that can make us kind of sick. Salmonella is often from chicken. That if you're preparing chicken and you're leaving it on a counter and then you put it in the oven to cook it, but there's still something on the counter, that's something that could be transmitted to you. Those. I'm a very careful food preparer for my family just because if I use a utensil, I either put it right in the dishwasher or just make sure I wipe the counter down. There's lots of things that you can and can do and should do in order to keep yourself and your family safe from foodborne illness. But salmonella is one of them, E. coli. There's many others, and it often depends on the type of protein or the type of food that you're eating. You can have an E. coli outbreak from spinach in a store. There's, it just depends on how the food was prepared, who was touching it, all of those things. We started off in a negative way, Saren. That's a little sad to me. <laughs> I want to pump up the topic of seafood, if that's okay. I take it from the who shouldn't eat it to now let's put a little spotlight on it. How's that sound? Yeah, let's judge it up. <laughs> okay. So why seafood? We're talking about seafood for a reason because there's lots of health benefits. It's really rich in omega-3s. There are certain fattier fishes like salmon and mackerel and things like that that are even higher in omega-3s. But seafood is a heart and a brain healthy food, and it's linked to lower levels of inflammation. And we've talked in many of the podcasts about inflammation being the root cause of disease, heart disease, diabetes, cancer. It's definitely something we all need to pay attention to. So I am all on board with finding foods that are anti-inflammatory. The other thing is when you're eating fish such as salmon, you're actually eating the bones in the salmon, which might sound gross. But if you're somebody that is struggling with osteoporosis, osteopenia, any bone health illness, then eating those types of fish can actually help boost calcium in the bones. It can reduce the risk of fractures. There's so many health benefits to, to fish. And they've done studies. There are examples of people that have had high levels of triglycerides, which are the fats that are kind of floating in your bloodstream. And they found that people that eat more seafood actually have lower levels of triglycerides, which improves their cardiovascular markers, which is really good. I have been so vocal on this podcast about having osteoporosis in several parts of my body and osteopenia. And I am always looking for ideas to increase in a very positive way, calcium intake and not just taking supplements. Like how can I get more calcium that's absorbed and useful, efficient, as you always say, but I never knew that there were bones in salmon. Like you just blew my mind. This is one of the things I can't wait to talk about at a cocktail party. So. <laughs> I eat sardines mm -hmm. and you can get them with bones. And I think I've shared before that I didn't know that. So I picked all the bones out because it grossed me out. Then someone was like, why are you doing that? The benefits are in the bones. Just eat it with the bones. And I was like, oh, I thought I had to pick them out. But <laughs> really in salmon, we're eating bones? Yes. Yeah. Same with your sardines. I think we're trained to take the bones out because of chicken and meat and things like that, because those are the bones we're not consuming. 
but the bones that are in the salmon and in the sardines, those are really healthy and really good for your bones, for sure. So I I have seen bones, but I take them out because I don't want to choke on them. So are these like little tiny bones that I'm not seeing in the salmon? I, I don't mean, I'm almost starting to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so curious because no, I'm a bone picker outer. I just have this vision of you gnawing on this enormous bone, right? But that's not what <laughs> it's staring. If the bone in the seafood's too big, don't eat it. If it looks like it's something you can consume, you can eat it. I eat eat salmon all the time, but on occasion there's a bone that's just a little bit bigger than I, I want to handle and I don't eat that one. So I think you you use your best kind of judgment for that. Yeah, wait, we're going to have a bone disclaimer right now because I don't want people starting to eat bones and then <laughs> I get a notification, they heard this podcast and now I'm getting sued over bone consumption. So I'm just going to tell you, talk to your medical professional about the size of bone that you should consume because <laughs> I don't want to be responsible. But I will tell you that I never, I really never knew that. I learned about the sardines, but I did not realize that there were little tiny guys in salmon that you could potentially eat if your medical professional says it's okay. <laughs> I also think we talk about the omega-3s, right? Omega-3s are anti-inflammatory. They're going to be beneficial for your gut. They're going to be beneficial for your skin. They're going to reduce inflammation in your body. Those are fantastic. But what I always like to do is connect the dots, right? So people might think, oh, it's a seafood podcast. They're just going to talk about omega-3s. That's not the case. We're talking about we're a whole person. It's not just about omega-3s. It's about calcium. It's about protein. It's about other nutrients that are going to nourish our body. And that's really what fish can do for us as long as we're choosing the right kind. There, there's also been some studies done. I mentioned briefly about the heart benefits, everything from lowering triglycerides to uh, reducing the risk of arrhythmias, which are these rhythm disturbances in the electrical conductivity of the heart. But some studies even show that people who eat seafood regularly have lower risks um, for cardiovascular disease, which actually will lower their healthcare costs. People have been studying fish for a long time. And one of the studies that I reviewed said that Americans' poor diets are responsible for an estimated $50 billion uh, a year in healthcare costs. And it's associated with heart disease. So now they're drawing this connection between, okay, fish can help with heart disease. We're spending 50 billion per year on healthcare costs. Let's eat more fish. So that would point people a little bit more towards the Mediterranean diet because that's more fish heavy. Mediterranean, pescatarian, fish heavy. But then there's the fear that's that that looming fear of what's in the fish, right? And so it is that going back to that whole saying, you are what you eat. And if you're not eating a high quality of that particular food, then you're not getting the, the nourishment that your body needs. I think people got freaked out when they started reporting all the plastic that they found in fish. And that scared a lot of people off because you don't know if you're eating a fish that was in a place that's contaminated with so much plastic. So that goes back to what you always say, know your source, be a food detective. It is true, but it's actually true for all the food we eat, right? It's not just for fish. 
It's how our chicken is prepared or how our meats are prepared or vegetable. It's true for everything, which can be really scary. It's, but we cannot function where we're afraid to eat. We have to just be as informed as we can as a consumer. And what I like to tell people is you're never going to get rid of all the toxins. It's just impossible. We're not going to get rid of the plastics and the parabens and the fat. We can't get rid of it all because we're exposed to it in our environment but we can make our body more efficient, right? And so how do we make our body more efficient? We do that by giving it the nourishing food that we need, the anti-inflammatory food, so that if we do get pesticides or plastics in our body is like rocking and it knows what it can do with it and it will help us process it and get it out of our body. Fascinating. I remember fish like comes in trends where everyone was eating monkfish and then everybody was eating swordfish unless you were kosher and then you never ate them. And then Chilean sea bass. And then nobody was eating Chilean sea bass. Like it always, no, I'm sorry. Tilapia was tilapia. Everybody came in with tilapia and then all of a sudden, no, don't eat tilapia. So is there any kind of a source to figure out what are cleaner fishes? Are you just going to tell us? Oh, I'm going to tell you. Yes, we talk, of course. So how do you select seafood, right? So how do you, how do you find the best seafood for you and your family? So let's go over what some of the problems are. The first is some seafood contains mercury and that's a toxin that can harm the brain and the nervous system. So we don't want that. We have mercury exposure in, some of us have it in our teeth and cavities in our, we've had a filling filled. Did you have yours removed? I don't have any that are mercury, but it is, it's important, right? Because there's a lot of, a lot of health issues that can come as a result of not just mercury, but other toxins. So you think about lead, lead is another one that people have been exposed to. And we have much more regulation now, particularly in, in families that are trying to buy a home that had lead paint in it, all of those types of things. Everyone when we get up to the fish, you and I get off on these little tangents. <laughs> but, <laughs> I know it drives you crazy. <laughs> um, everybody is advised to avoid fish that's high in mercury. And those fish are things such as swordfish, marlin, orange roughy, islefish, big eye tuna, and king mackerel. Those are ones that that it's really important to avoid. Now that's everyone. This concern is especially important for children and anyone that is pregnant or breastfeeding, because those are more vulnerable populations. But even if we take it a step further, those immunocompromised people, those people that just don't have the, the systems that can fight off the any of the toxins that are in our body. It, one thing that's pretty important is for us to try to find seafood that is lower in mercury. And those are things such as shrimp, for those that are not kosher, cod, sardines. And I will say one thing about sardines and you sardine lovers out there, not going to love me for this one, but when you choose your sardines, see if you can choose a uh, sardine that is packaged in a non-BPA can. Uh, BPA is uh, what is found in plastic and a lot of times they line and coat the inner part of a tin can, like a aluminum can that you might find seltzer water in, uh, but you want to get it in a non-BPA lined can if you can. I am going downstairs after this to the kitchen and I am going to check everywhere where I keep sardines because I have a lot of them. Mm -hmm. 
And I'm going to check every container right now. Thank you so much for that. It's a good idea to check it. And if you can't find it on the can, because to actually put it on the can, there's certain regulations that in, I think they, it costs more It's to have things put on the can. You can actually go to the company's web, website and write the, the company, or they may actually have it under frequently asked questions on their website. But that's something that I've done. But other seafood, right, now that I got off of my little plastic tangent, but other, other seafood that is important to a, that has lower in mercury are things like wild Alaskan salmon, attic, and non-king mackerel. Mackerel is one of those fatty fishes that are rich in omega-3. So we talked about the king mackerel is higher in mercury, but the non-king mackerel, like the Atlantic mackerel and the Pacific club mackerel, uh, chub mackerel are okay to eat lower in mercury. We think about the 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 nutrients and the reason that we eat the fish, right? So why are we eating it is because it's oily and that oil contains those high levels of omega-3 fatty acids. And, and those are the ones that we are most interested in, right? So we, we don't want the mercury, but we definitely want the healthy oils. And so if we're selecting the fish, we're selecting the fish, thinking about those different categories that we just talked about. The easiest way to avoid concern about contaminants is just to eat a variety of fish and other seafood. So maybe not the same exact fish all the time, but have a variety. That way you're not going to overload any one fish category. I want to go back to the oil and the tuna. So you had mentioned a kind of tuna but I remember when I was pregnant, my coach said not more than one can of tuna a week as a pregnant person. And so now I'm seeing cans that say wild caught tuna. Can you just shed some light on whether we should have tuna more than once a week? And if sure. there's a certain kind of tuna? Sure. So it, there are, so the tuna we talked about that people would avoid for that are high in mercury are the big eye tuna. And I will say first, I'm not a tuna expert, <laughs> but I will say that I know how to find the right tuna. And the thing that I, the thing that I do is I will pay attention to how the product is packaged and I will look at the companies. Now there are companies that you can go on their website to learn more about them. Things like Safe Catch is one brand that it's a tuna fish that is lower in mercury. I can't tell you the exact numbers of mercury in it, but if you go on to a site, something like Amazon, where you order some of your products, you can actually read about how the fish is caught and how confident they are that it's lower in mercury. Going to health food stores or whole, like a Whole Foods or Trader Joe's, you can read about different uh, types of fish in the little canning process that they have. And usually they will give you some information about it. But it's a great question. Tuna fish is one that I do get asked a lot. I usually tell people not more than once a week. That's my recommendation. And just one of the cans only because I think variety is important. So if you have tuna once a week, you can have salmon as well. With seafood, it's important for us to have variety to reduce our exposure to toxins. Because again, there's no one perfect food. The other thing for us to think about with fish is how you're storing it. Right? So we're talking about mercury and we're talking about the importance of making sure that it doesn't have these toxins in it. But it's also how we 
take care of it when we get it and how safe it is when it comes to us. And so keeping your seafood cold by picking it up um, toward the end of the shipping trip rather than sitting in your cart the whole time. And usually it's recommended that you use it within two days and then wrap it tightly and you can freeze it. I know <laughs> you can imagine me at Whole Foods, but I know the the meat guy, I know the fish guy. <laughs> I go into the stores and I have conversations. Tell me about this fish. Where did it come from? What did it eat? Um, they're really fun conversations to have. It's not just me because I'm a nutritionist. I just think it's really interesting where they tell me what part of the world this came from and how if it was a farm raised, is it wild? Um, I just think it's really interesting. And then if we think, so we're thinking about getting choosing the foods that are low in mercury storing them in a way that is safe, keeping them cold, right? Because when things start to get warm, that's when things start to grow. And we don't necessarily want that for our bodies. And then cooking. If we're cooking seafood, we want to limit the intake of ones that are battered and deep fried, right? And we know that, right? Because it's higher in salt. The good ones, you mean? (laughs) I will tell you those fish sandwiches that are fried, they don't really count for fish. The amount of negative stuff that you're getting in that sort of outweighs the omega-3s that you might be getting because they're higher in salt. All our listeners, Jackie in England, (laughs) just went, Fish and chips, Jackie. (laughs) Do not touch our fish and chips. With the vinegar. Oh, so good. (laughs) But the healthful way, the more healthful way to cook seafood are really to bake and broil and grill, right? Not the deep fry. There are some ways around this, getting a air fryer, right? You can air fry some of these so that you're not getting it soaked in the deep oils, right? That's something that that we want to be very mindful of. If you think about the nutrients that are in fish, we want to preserve them, right? They are chock a block full of healthy goodness, right? They, they've got healthy fats, like we talked about. They're very lean proteins, vitamins, and minerals. I get excited about seafood, right? Because it's such a, a good source of those essential minerals, B12, iodine, if you're not allergic to it, iron, selenium, zinc, It's actually one of the only foods that we can eat that have naturally occurring vitamin D in it. And we've talked about vitamin D at length in many other podcasts. So it's really important. I think I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask anyway. So you see on cans, packed in oil, packed in water. Do you have a preference of which one we get? I choose the water. And the reason for that is I don't know what the oil is unless they're specifying, right? So here's why, right? If something is packed in an oil, it can be good. It can be healthy, but it really depends on the oil. I'd rather pack it in water. And then when I make my salad with, say, I'm using a safe catch tuna, then I would drizzle my own olive oil on top of the salad because I know that my extra virgin olive oil is not processed or chemicalized. It's a high quality and that my body is going to get the best bang for the nutritional buck with that combo. I guessed wrong. I thought you were going to, because I know how much you love olive oil, but see, that's why we have to be a detective because I didn't even think 
to look to see what the olive oil would, the oil would be. I assumed it would be olive oil. Mm. Check the oil. And then you want to know, this is where I, I peruse the, the websites of some of these companies. If you go on their websites and they might tell you, this is the type of oil we lo- use. And you can look up the oil and be like, wow, this is a really good oil. And then you can have confidence in putting that into your body. But I choose the water first and then make a decision from there. There are really two main omega-3s fatty acids that we're thinking about when it comes to seafood. And the first is EPA and the second is DHA. And I think many people may have heard these names before because you'll see them as something that might be on the outside of baby formula, that it's formulated with EPA and DHA. And the reason for that is they help with brain health. So not only with the development of babies' brains, but also with the support of our brains as adults. And what one of the things that I like to share with people is that we need these fats to keep our brains and our hearts healthy. And so seafood is the richest source of these EPA and DHA omega-3 fatty acids that are going to give us the biggest bang for our buck. So I like to put a spotlight on that because we were sort of talking about the oil that's in the can that that say with the tuna fish, they put the tuna in with an olive oil. I'm not thinking about the olive oil. I care more about the omega-3 that's in there. And then I choose what type of oil I put on it, what type of olive oil I would put in it. That's my process for doing things. I know that you really prefer when people get all of this yummy nutrition through food sources, mm-hmm. but they do sell fish oil, omega-3 tablets, gel, capsules in the health food store. Would you ever say that's an interesting way to beef up your omega-3s or don't bother with that fish oil capsule? Sure. I never say don't bother with it because it's really depends on the person. Everybody is a snowflake. Everybody is unique. I really like supplements to take someone from deficiency to sufficiency. And then when they get to a place where they're within a normal, healthy range, then we try to make sure that we're getting the right amount of food that can sustain them there. And But there are some people that choose not to have certain types of foods that may make those nutrients difficult. And I can give you a good example of this. So vegetarians that aren't consuming meat products may have a difficult time getting vitamin B12 in their diet. So in that particular population, B12 supplements would be recommended because B12 is a really important part of the way our body functions. So with omega-3s, I would say that it depends on the person. It really depends on what they are what their nutrition is, how much they're getting in terms of omega-3s in their diet. And then if they do decide to supplement, what is this, what is the product that they're supplementing with, right? We want to make sure that it's coming from a good source because that too can also have mercury and other toxins in it that we certainly don't want. So those are things that people would need to think about. You have one of your little quick formulas because I wouldn't even know how much omega-3 I should get in a day. It depends. There's lower doses. Some of them are a thousand milligrams. Some of them, it really depends on what you're trying to accomplish. There's no, there's no cookie cutter for this, for any, really, if anybody comes to you and says, this is what you should be taking, but they don't know your unique situation, then you should be skeptical. 
it really, because you really should understand your own unique needs. And that's what I do in my practice, really. It's understanding what people need and then finding ways to kind of fill the gaps and the holes. And as you said, I'm much more of a food first person. I, I'd much prefer that people get it in their in their food rather than in a supplement. Because one, it's I think it's healthier. I think your body recognizes it as real food. And two, it's very expensive. A lot of these supplements can be very costly, especially if you're redoing, purchasing them every month for your body to support your body. I've shared that I eat about five small meals a day, and it wouldn't be unusual that two or three of those could have fish in them. Mm -hmm. Is that too much? OD on fish or that's okay. Well, I would, I, it sounds fine. I would just make sure you're getting variety, maybe sardines at one and salmon at another. It really depends on the type and the quality, but I, I have fish probably three days a week. If I can, I live a quarter of a mile from an awesome seafood shop and I live on the coast in New Hampshire and we get a lot of fresh caught stuff, which is pretty exciting. Um, I'm somebody that gets very excited going into the fish store. Okay, Jackie, I know you have recommendations for us. I do. I do. So a couple things I want people to think about is first and foremost, that seafood has many nutrients and health benefits. I think we covered that. And I'm hoping that it created more of a compelling why you want to bring seafood into your life. But keep in mind that there are other ways that we can bring in omegas into our diet. You can get them in nuts and seeds. However, they are not in the, the same form of an omega-3 as it is in seafood. Seafood truly is the purest way that you can get omega-3s in your diet. Nuts and seeds, when they go into your body, they actually get converted into a an omega-3, but it is converted at a lower dose. So you can get omegas from that particular those particular food groups. But again, seafood will give you the, the most bang for your buck. The 20... 2020 to 2025 dietary guidelines for Americans recommends that you consume at least eight ounces of seafood per week. And that can be in two four ounce servings. If someone is pregnant or breastfeeding, you can consume up to three four ounce servings of low mercury seafood per week for your infant's health, because you're not only doing it just for yourself, but you've also got either a baby on board or you're nursing a baby. If we think about portion sizes, four ounces of seafood is about the size of the palm of your hand, right? So that's helpful in terms of just visual portion control. So you don't have to weigh and measure. There are things to think about when you're choosing seafood. We talked about the mercury. We talked about how we're storing it, how we're preparing it, and how we're cooking it. But some of you might feel that there's still some other things that you're curious about. So I wanted to give you a couple of good resources. The first resource is the Monterey Bay Safe Seafood Guide. This is awesome site. It's www.seafoodwatch.org. And if you go onto that site, you can actually type in your zip code and or tell them what part of the country you live in. And it will give you a little guide that you can print out and keep in your wallet or your purse. And it will give you the, the green fish to eat, the yellow fish to have in moderation, and the red fish to avoid for your particular part of the country, which I think is awesome. 
Another great resource is EWG, which is Environmental Working Group. That's the industry watchdog for many chemicals and issues that we are facing in our country. And this EWG consumer site has consumer guides for seafood, for safe seafood choosing. And so they give some recommendations. They have a general recommendation of their best bets. This is EWG's recommendation I'll kind of end on this, that EWG's best bets are salmon, sardines, mussels, rainbow trout, and Atlantic mackerel. Good choices. And those best choices are the ones that that I just read are high in omega-3s, low in mercury, and they're sustainable. And then the good choices, which would be like that yellow category I was talking about, are oysters, pollock, and herring. And those that we would avoid are the ones that we talked about. Those are the ones that have high levels of mercury and they're too high to eat on a regular basis. And that would be that king mackerel, the marlin, the orange roughy, the the swordfish, and the tilefish. We didn't touch a lot on things like oysters, mussels, those kinds of things. And I personally don't eat them. I've never have eaten them. But my in-laws are 89 and 90, and they eat them a lot. And I'm just wondering, what is the fascination, and are they good for you? All those little things that you got to crack open and pull. I, like, I can't even talk about it. It makes me like, ugh. But, but can, should we do them? If, you're, if they're not for religious reasons that oh, people great- don't do them, but... That's a great question. My husband loves all of those, the mussels, the oysters, the clams. That's not my thing. I just don't like it. I have a similar gag reflex to you (laughs) when I have those. And then especially when he was introducing our children to them, I was like, oh, but it just is just not my thing. But there are some health benefits to them. But again, it depends on where they're from. So if people are interested in consuming those types of seafood, then I would look on those sites that I mentioned just to see where they fall into in terms of safety. Because again, it will depend on what part of the country they are acquired. That makes a lot of sense because I remember I passed what like a shellfish buffet thing and they had big ones, little ones. They said these were from here, these were from there. And everybody was so excited. And I just was like, not for me. But then I see how healthy they are and how smart they are still. And I'm like, hmm, what if there's something to eat in those little guys? They're, I just always wanted to find the pearl. That's all I yeah. was interested in. They're also often served raw. And so I think people, especially going back to that group that should be very careful with seafood, those the immunocompromised, anything raw is leaving that immunocompromised person vulnerable. We, we certainly don't want that. I actually saw a study out of Japan and an article about a person who was a big sushi consumer and they opened up the person, they were having stomach pain and they found all these bugs and creatures in their body. And ever since then, I'm like, ah, sayonara sushi. I don't know. I got to be so selective and careful now about how and when I consume sushi because I can't, I'm a visual person and I can't, I think I'm ruining sushi for everyone right now, (laughs) but I just, they showed the internal image of this person's stomach with all of these 
things. Yeah, yeah. And it just made me like very wary now of sushi. Based on, we don't want to bash sushi because sushi can be healthy in a particular population. But in that case, when they open somebody up and they determine what the source of the growth is, whatever the bug is, then they can have an idea of where it came from. And so once they have that information, then obviously maybe if sushi was the culprit behind that situation, then that probably wasn't a good choice for that person. I don't mean to laugh. It's not funny. It's a terrible thing, but that's something that we want to be acutely aware of, right? It's finding moderation, having a variety of different types of seafood, right? Making sure that we have not just the same exact salmon every week, the same exact, that we just find different ways that we can bring in different types of nutrients. I was actually told not to eat the bottom troller fish, and they're really popular in the South because they do clean up all that, they just suck up all that garbage. And so I personally haven't been eating them. And yet I know people who just They just can't consume enough of them because that's kind of how they were raised in their culture was to eat a lot of the catfish, those types of of fish. So it's really interesting. Now I have to go take a deep dive on those sites, just the way (laughs) when we did the poop episode, not that I want to talk about poop when we're talking about seafood, but you told us to go look at the guide, the British guide about poop so that we could know more about our poop. Now I've got to go look at the guide about safe fish and I will be a more educated fish consumer. Yeah, the site, the Monterey Bay site is excellent for just fish, but the EWG site will give you also information not on fish, but safe water, uh, you know, the dirty dozen for fruits and vegetables, cleaning products. It's a wealth of information. It's really fantastic. So I highly encourage people to, to go check it out. It's a really great resource. If you want to know more about my spectacular friend and food guru, Jackie Bryan, you can find her on the internet. It's an unusual spelling of Jackie Bryan. Or go to comedycures.org. We'll send you her whole signature. Jackie is amazing. She does one-on-one consultations, family consultations, group presentations, corporate presentations, medical presentations. She's just really out of this world. And I'm just so happy, Jackie, that you come and spend time on Beating Cancer Daily. And for anyone who hasn't attended Jackie's live health builder workshops, she comes once a month to Comedy Cures on Zoom. And we do these really fascinating sessions with Jackie. And you can actually ask her your questions because it's live and then there's a live Q&A after. So you get to really interact with us live once a month on Zoom. You go to the comedycures.org website and it's if you just scroll down a little bit, it's right on the homepage. You sign up, it's free. And if all of this is too much to remember, just go to the contact button or the record button, and you can ask us your questions or ask for Jackie's contact information. Jackie, as always, it's amazing. I'm going to give you another joke just because I found one that I love. I didn't write it, but again, it's very silly. What did the policeman shout when he caught the seafood thieves? I don't know. What did he shout? Nobody move a muscle. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> they get you. dumber. They get dumber. <laughs> but I just, I don't know. It's so clever that somebody thought of that. I just appreciate humor. Even if it's not the best, somebody tried and we laugh anyway. So Jackie, thank you so much. I can't wait for our next topic. Thanks, Sarah. It was great being here today. Thanks so much. Have a blessed day and I'll see you tomorrow. If you loved today's episode, then tell the world. Why? Because Beating Cancer Daily and our membership circle are both a listener and donor-supported experience. So the more people you tell and the more people that join us, the more robust and interesting programs our nonprofit, the Comedy Cures Foundation, can bring to you throughout the year. I really want you to go to ComedyCures.org. And of course, I always want you to make a donation. It's tax deductible to the extent allowed by law. But what's super exciting is not only can you laugh and explore the comedy there, you can look at our membership levels and find the one that's great for you. And if you're feeling a little bit generous, gift one to a chemo brother or sister or to a caregiver that you just want to help them improve the quality of their day. Thanks so much. See you tomorrow. Guess what time it is? It's time for me to read the disclaimer. Beating Cancer Daily and the Membership Circle are not in lieu of medical advice or treatment. They are for entertainment purposes only. Please consult your healthcare team to review your best strategy. Thanks for listening.